Do you really think Tom would lie to us? As an investigator, I do not have the freedom to ignore any possibility. Welcome to another episode of Delta Flyer. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Thad Haight. And this week we're going to talk about Season 1, Episode 8, Ex Post Facto. Yes, we are. I don't know about you, Thad, but I I have strong convictions about this episode. Mm. I see when I went back and watched this episode, I realized I didn't remember it very well because I think I had some false memories. Oh, yeah, that's possible. You know, this this episode is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I hate this episode. It's not. Oh man, I'm. I was not happy with this episode. But let's let's get our uh, let's get our synopsis from TV Guide. When Paris is tried for murder by an alien court, his sentence is to relive the victim's final moments again and again. Okay, I feel like it should mention that Paris at least claims that he didn't do it. Like that just makes it sound like he did murder don't you think paris would have claimed that he didn't do it regardless well sure but like the tv guide synopsis almost makes it sound like it was an open and shut case like when paris murdered someone (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying when he stabbed them repeatedly at warp speed oh god well they must have been in visual range So, speaking of visual range and jumping straight to the end, but not talking about it, and then back a little bit to the middle and talking about it, (laughs) when uh, Paris and, I didn't write her name, the wife. Liddell. Liddell, thank you. When, When Paris and Liddell are kissing in the rain, they look like they're just about the same height. Are they not? No, because that was, that was the linchpin of uh Tuvok's entire case. Well not the linchpin. The little dog was the linchpin. The little rat dog. But it, like, one of his points was like you'll notice that Paris is you know, a few centimeters taller than The man Professor Wren observed with his wife was virtually equal in height to her. Clearly, Lieutenant Paris is several centimeters taller. Right, yeah, you're right, duh. Well, maybe she was on her tiptoes. Well, maybe it was the centimeter of water in his boots. I I respect the idea that Starfleet is all about really enforcing the metric system. I feel like they're probably not really enforcing it. I feel like they're trying to imply that by the 24th century, we don't use this English measurement crap anymore. Okay, whatever. But I feel like we wouldn't say crap like... I must have however many centimeters of water in my boots. Like, who who talks like that? I have heard people say things like, there must be an inch of water in my boots. Goodness. Like, I don't know if I've heard it, but I've definitely, like, read that dialogue in books before. No, see, I would use a volumetric measure. Like, there must be a gallon of water in my boots. Sure. No, I can see that. But, like, you also do measure rain in inches, so... And I understand that as well, but it's, I, I kind of feel like boots, 
are in the same, like, you know, like, should be measured the same as hats by the number of gallons of whatever they can hold. A 10-gallon hat does not hold even close to 10 gallons. Or even, it may not even hold one gallon. You're not trying hard enough. I feel like no matter how hard you try, you're not going to fit 10 gallons of water in a 10-gallon hat. I have gumption. Hmm. I'll take a stab at it. Like in the way that Paris felt the stabs, apparently. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I guess they have the ability to extract the memories from the dead people. And that's probably like a racial trait or something. But, yeah. But, well, I mean, they... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, my first clue that this was like a false memory or something was... When Paris was saying, I'd better be on my way. Because that just doesn't sound like the Tom Paris we know so far. That's not coming at women at warp speed. Exactly. That's my point. Is the Tom Paris we know would be like, hold on a minute. I'll be with you. Yeah. You know, like, like not I'll be on my way, but like, hey, 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 guy. Go make yourself busy, like, in another room or something. Walking hormones don't just go on their way. <laughs> Yeah, I just, so, I just gonna, like, straight up say that, uh, this, this episode was directed by LeVar Burton, it was the first Voyager episode he directed, he had already directed some TNG before this, and he would go on to direct many DS9 and Voyager episodes, Mm -hmm. this is not one of his better jobs. Is this, perhaps, his worst job? I'm not sure, I don't have the list of episodes directed by LeVar Burton in front of me, so there might be a worse one, but... okay. I can say that I did not care for the the noir aspect for the from the memories and I didn't like the weird like soap opera esque music and I feel like the the acting, especially on the part of the wife, was not good. No. Did you get this weird sort of like Hope Davis vibe off of her? I'm not sure who Hope Davis is, so no. Did you ever see Charlie Bartlett with Star Trek alum? Anton Yelchin. Thank you. Him, Anton Yelchin. Yes, I have seen it. It's a very good movie. It has Robert Downey Jr. in it. It does. And Kat Dennings. Yes. So two Marvel alums and a Star Trek alum. Yeah. Hope Davis was the mother. Okay. She's the gossip columnist in Newsroom. Okay, so LeVar Burton also directed uh, an Enterprise episode that I'm not too fond of called Extinction, but I think that was still better than this. So, yeah, no, this was... I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is the worst episode LeVar Burton directed. Okay. And if you think I'm wrong, please tell me on Twitter why I'm wrong and why Rules of Engagement is worse. Also, if you actually have an argument for why Rules of Engagement is worse, I will not agree with you, but I would love to hear it. Did you notice that they're bird people? Bird person. Did you know that killing a man while uh, you know having an affair with his wife is considered a real dick move amongst uh, bird people? In bird culture, this is considered a dick move. I would argue that's a dick move amongst most people. What is the deal with bird wife just like wearing a nightgown or whatever? Yeah. Like that just seems to be like her clothes. 
Because, like, when they're caught in the rain, it's the same... I can't remember if it's the same thing. Do we see... I can't remember now. And if I'm wrong... If this, you know, probably makes me a bad person for not noticing. Do we see any other female bird people? No. Maybe that's just the normal attire. Yeah, we see something like a grand total of, like, six different bird men. <laughs> uh, all Attorney of whom... <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, we see a couple of, like, uh, bird cops. Um, and, of course, they're wearing, you know, their uh, their bird their bird police uniforms. Um, we have uh, our bird scientist, our bird magistrate, and, you know, crooked... Hold on. A bird scientist is an ornithologist. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is a scientist who is a bird. Uh, <laughs> and then... Oh, we have our, uh, you know, like evil, evil bird scientist who implanted the false bird memories into uh, Tom's bird brain. Yeah, and the, well, Tom does have a bird brain, I believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we can tell that they're, that they're the fake evil memories because they have the bird numbers going through them. Yes, which, I mean, much, uh, much like Tom Paris, I didn't I did not necessarily pick up on on my first watching. I didn't either, I didn't even notice them until they were called out. I noticed them, but like Paris, I thought I, you know, that this is just an artifact of the memory transfer. Right. Why wouldn't he? So, yeah, I would have to say that until Tuvok started doing his Sherlock Holmes stuff, I was like completely not invested in this episode. I honestly can't remember even though I have obviously seen every episode of Star Trek Voyager. Uh-huh. <laughs> I cannot remember if is there a uh, Tuvok on, you know, sort of like play a detective the whole time episode not unlike uh Data's semi like, he does this two or three times, right? Data on Next Generation against Moriarty? Uh there are two Moriarty episodes uh yeah. though the big one where Data's Sherlock Holmes the whole time is Elementary Dear Data. And this is where, Mor where uh, Moriarty escapes out of the hollow deck, right? No, that's Ship in a Bottle. Never mind. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, clearly, you're the bigger Star Trek nerd. But anyone who didn't know that by now, I don't know what the heck podcast they've been listening to. I just appreciate the validation. <laughs> that's fair. Uh... <laughs> like, on Stargate Weekly, we're probably equally matched. Give you, or take, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are probably more into Stargate than I am. I am. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's Stargate is probably high, is higher on your hierarchy of needs than it is for me. <laughs> yeah, food, shelter, water, Stargate. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, exactly. That, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a close tie with West Wing. Ooh. But uh, but getting back to our episode. I gotta wait. ask you. <laughs> we must. I gotta ask you. What the heck is the limb of the moon? I beg your pardon. So, uh, when Professor Doctor whatever Bird Person Wren invites mm -hmm. them back to his home after having met them three minutes prior or something mm -hmm. uh, to discuss Voyager schematics, which, by the way, they just brought Voyager schematics to these people they've never met before. I don't care 
how much Neelix vouches for them. They just hand... uh, Gosh. What are they going to do with Voyager schematics that would hurt They're going to help them design better schematics or something. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, like, what is the danger in giving these people Voyager schematics? Oh, I see your point. They could they could build Voyager two. This time it's personal. We're gonna bird punch you into oblivion. Right? Like, is that? Do you think that's gonna happen? I don't know. These bird people they seem kind of wily. They can implant false memories, man. Future knowledge. There is a Voyager two episode, but it doesn't involve the bird people. How great would it be if it did? I don't know. I I, I actually really like that episode. So as it is, fair so. enough. <laughs> it's actually pretty divisive, apparently, as I've learned. Oh yeah. Yeah, apparently, uh, and if you are just watching Voyager as our show goes on, I apologize for talking about things that you have no idea what we're mentioning here, but apparently, with Course Oblivion, you either like it or you hate it. Since I don't know names, I don't know yet how I feel about it. Well, you've seen every episode of Voyager anyway, so what's the matter? I have seen every episode of Voyager. Mm Mm-hmm. He invites them back to his house after having met them just a couple of minutes prior. And that's when we first meet Liddell? Yes. Yes. Uh, and Tom Parrish is regaling them with stories of how he made his approach in the shuttlecraft. I hid behind the limb of the moon before I made a break for your defense perimeter. By the time their sensors picked us up, they didn't have a chance to catch us. And I, I, I listened to it like four times and checked the, the closed captions and everything. And it's definitely limb as in arm, not lip as in lip. Lip would be <laughs> weird too, though. Lip would make more sense because like you, you think about like, 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 like the, like the, like rock formations have lips, not limbs. Sort yeah, of. But. Moons shouldn't. What if it's like a funky moon? That like imagine well, what like if a, it's a funky moon that has a limb? That's a really funky moon. I feel like that moon would destabilize itself in the first million years. You don't know how old the moon is. It's probably more than a million years old. That's a very Terra-centric viewpoint. No. No. Because I feel like... If their moon, it just, geologic timescales and all that jazz, and I'm not an astronomer, but I just, like, I feel like I know enough about this to make the sort of, like, to make the swag to say that a civilization that can take an advanced civilization's starship schematics to improve them with like better who cares what just improve them in any way at all that they couldn't possibly survive on a planet that has a moon that has like a limb that's destabilizing like i just feel like no okay so picture this i'm picturing things the planet has no moon it has a space station and oh god (laughs) it actually just has no moon and then I can't a, picture it. along comes this rogue planetoid that has a limb. And it gets caught in the planet's orbit and like they Out of curiosity, are there organ stealing peoples living within the caves of the rogue planetoid? <laughs> well, I mean there would have to be, wouldn't there? 
There would be, yes, but go on, continue. <laughs> and this rogue planetoid gets close enough to this planet that it, like, gets snagged. It's captured by the yeah. planet's gravity well. Yes, so that yes, would yes. certainly cause some geologic stress on the planet. But I it, feel like it would totally ruin the planet. But if it happened, like, 500,000 years ago, it would, then the civilization could still arise from the ashes of the gravimetrically stressed okay. planet. Okay, okay, Gravimetric okay. is the wrong word, but anyway. It is. Okay, okay. I still feel like limb is the wrong word. And <laughs> yes, and if the I'm... planet had a limb, I feel like we would have seen a picture of said limb. Not the planet, the moon. I knew and I... I don't know if you did, but I did. This is the hill on which I choose to die this episode. Or at least be really severely scratched or something. Not like badly <laughs> wounded, mind just you. Just flesh wound. Just like, right. Nah, that's strong. Like, just sort of like enough to need a band-aid, but no more than that. Mm, and some okay. neosporin. Like a little, like a little, like a little dab of neosporin and a band-aid. This is the hill on, on which I choose to be very badly scratched. Okay. Okay. So I mentioned earlier that Tuvok is doing a Sherlock Holmes thing. Yes. The final reveal is lifted straight from Sherlock Holmes. I thought it was lifted straight from uh, Scooby-Doo. It may have been in Scooby-Doo, too, but Scooby-Doo probably got it from Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> because Liddell and who cares what evil bird scientist's name was would have gotten away with it, too, if it hadn't been for that little dog. Okay, so yeah, that's actually... So in the Sherlock Holmes story, The Adventure of Silver Blaze, okay. the perpetrator was detected by a dog who did not bark because they were previously acquainted. Man, that feels like such a contrivance. Maybe I just haven't known enough, like, really excitable dogs, but, or rather, really excitable dogs who, once they get to know you, become less excitable. Mm. Because, like, my parents have two, well, one really, really, really excitable dog, and one who's just sort of, like... It's just super jazzed to not be in, like, a puppy mill anymore. Um, That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously I've been over there a handful of times because they're my parents, and the dogs still don't know who the heck I am, and they just freak out as soon as I walk in the door. And my, like, based on my parents' reaction, they freak out, I guess, when, like, my parents walk in the door. So I, I don't have any experience with dogs who are super like, stranger, stranger, stranger. Oh, I know you now. You're cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when our mutual friend lived in Maryland, and he had the roommate with the dog, uh, well, there's some kind of terrier. I don't remember the dog. You don't remember the dog? The dog that chewed I... everything? I heard that there was a dog who chewed things. I don't know if I ever met the dog. A Boston Terrier, and you definitely met the dog, because Good enough. you and I were there at the same time that the dog was there. Interestingly enough, since we're talking about Sherlock Holmes and dogs, the dog was named Watson. Okay. Anyway, yes, yes. that dog would bark at me if I was outside and he was looking at me through a window. But when I was inside and he could smell me, he wouldn't bark. Okay, good enough. Which is... Not quite the same situation, but it's the only similar thing I can think of. Okay. So that makes me think of 
how surprised Neelix was when he found out that Tom Paris had been accused of murder. Because I feel like Neelix should not have been that surprised. Neelix dose is a walking hormone. Exactly. Like, I don't feel like anyone should have been all that surprised that Tom Paris was accused of murder in a fit of passion. I feel like Harry Kim wasn't. Like, was not surprised? He didn't act all that surprised. Like I said, like, no one should have been, but, like, Neelix, when he, like, when when the captain w- was telling Neelix about the situation, Neelix was like, really? <laughs> yeah, especially because Neelix has totally, we've heard Neelix talk about how that Paris is up to no good. Paris is up to no good. It's true. Always with that approaching women at warp speed. Uh, indeed. Should we make that joke two or three more times this episode? I think, think so. I think it's required at this point. Very good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that I had noted was uh when 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 Janeway and, and Tuvok beam down to to the planet, what was the name what was who were the people? The Benayans? The Benians? The bird people. Yeah, they were the, the Benians, I believe. Benians, okay. And the other people were the Numiri. Yes. Went and they came up on the same planet? What the heck happened to this planet? It's got a moon with limbs and like lizard people and bird people. What is this planet? Wait, were the so, Numiri from the same planet? Yes. Or were they from a nearby planet? Neelix said they were from the same planet. Okay. The Numiri and the Benea are quite different from one another, even though they once coexisted on the same planet. I mean, that can happen. There have been... That is not a unique thing on Star Trek. Well, okay, on Star Trek, but I'm like, you know, if you're about to drop a sort of reference from our own life, our own universe, it's like, uh... Dude? Actually, I mean... Apes rule all. Sure. But it... it Just because we killed off all the other versions of Homo sapiens doesn't mean that we... That in a different... If things had turned out differently, we necessarily had to have. How else is one supposed to become the primary species on a planet other than through murder? You know, talking, working your problems murder. out, like civilized people. Murder. You know, things that humans weren't doing 6,000 years ago. Right. So we murdered people. We did. Anyway. But what I'm saying is, it it was it's theoretically possible that Neanderthals could have continued to exist as a species. Granted, they look a little more like us than we presume than the bird people and the lizard people look like each other. But... Right, and I feel it much more likely in your scenario where we didn't murder out the Neanderthals. Uh, there's another word we pronounce differently. Um, <laughs> it, is. it is much more likely that we would have a new hybrid species combining the two than we would have really happened. No, it is, but we would have much more Neanderthal influence, uh, than two distinctly separate species looking at the planet that the Benians occupy that I guess they kept, they like kicked the Numiri off of or something. Or maybe the Numiri were like, we're done with you bird people. We're going to go find our own planet with, uh, with blackjack and hookers. Um, and you know, uh, patrol ships, uh, with regenerative shielding. Um, they're so disparate. It, it would be like, as if, 
dolphins oh. became a fully sentient species with tool making abilities and also starship making abilities and then they just like you know off the planet so in a later a future knowledge here in a later episode of voyager yeah i know yeah 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 <laughs> also um the other example from star trek would be on enterprise the zindi with the Six different species don't, that don't all grew up on the same don't, planet. Don't talk about the Zindi. I like Enterprise Season 3, thank you very much. <laughs> anyway. Getting back to my original point. About when Chainway and Tuvok beam down to... Let's just call it Planet Bania. Planet Bird Person. And I feel like the planet must have a name. They're meeting... Well, they're the Banians, so let's call it Planet Bania. Uh, I think it may actually be Bania. Anyway. And they're meeting with the Bird Minister. And they're both carrying their phasers? Just off-world standard procedure, I guess? It seems weird they would be allowed into the Minister's office armed. So, no, it's just listed as the Banian homeworld. It does seem odd, yes. That they would allow them to carry their phasers. But did you notice the chair that the minister had in his office? I did not. So you did not notice that it was identical to the chair that Portia de Rossi had in Better Off Ted? I did not. Yeah. I don't think I remember Portia de Rossi's chair in Better Off Ted. It's a a chair that shows up all the time. Um... It, it, it it's a common prop chair basically because it's this oh yeah i'm looking at it now i've seen this chair before yeah yeah yeah. because it's all it's all metal it's all silver uh, it's possible it actually might actually be made out of silver um and it's just like it, it it's distinctive but not necessarily super showy even though it's polished silver you know what i'm saying yeah neat we're, we'll we'll uh, I'll I'll we'll figure out a way to show you a picture of this chair and you'll understand. I have a note here that Tom was caught in flagrante delecto, but it's like in the middle of my notes, which means that it, it would have happened. Really was though, right? So I'm not sure why I have that written down. Maybe it was Unless when uh, kissing was when counts we... as in flagrante delecto in bird. I don't know. Maybe it was when like, yeah, maybe it was when. Like, Tuvok was going through the memories? I don't know. Because I didn't have written down that Liddell was super high. I'll agree with that. She definitely seemed that way. Uh, yeah. You know, just like... She was on the limb of that moon, man. So, interesting production note. Yes? The matte painting that depicts the surface of the Benian homeworld. (laughs) Yeah? I don't think I noticed this, but yeah. Uh, It made no appearances after this episode but had appeared in two episodes of TNG and one episode of DS9 before this. Interesting. That That is interesting reuse. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, in fact, it dates back to season one of TNG. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, it was in an episode of season one of TNG, DS9, and Voyager. That's some interesting trivia there. That is. Yes. That's... That's super esoteric. You know what? Just call me esoteric, because that's the sort of minutia I live for. (laughs) 
But you know what uh, minutia I live for? What's that? When when Liddell is very poorly demonstrating to Tuvok her remorse over her husband's death. <laughs> yes. And he's asking her, well, why would you want to end your marriage? And she says, quite frankly, because I was attracted to another man. And all I'm thinking is, you were married to that guy for 10 years and you were never in that entire time attracted to another person, to another bird person? Really? Really? She's into primates, man. That's not the point, but it's like, I mean, if she's into primates, then it, that, that seems unlikely. But, I mean, come on now. Like, no, you were attracted to someone last week. You were, like, you were attracted to the guy at, like, the, the, you know, birdrista at, you know, Starbirds three and a half months ago. Like, come on now. Like, attraction has nothing to do with whether or not you want to end your marriage. That's a whole other ball of wax. Mm, that's true. So, yeah, no, I'll give you that. That that does seem unlikely. So, interestingly enough, we will have, in the future, timey-wimey, we, in the future we will mention... Uh, that uh, the the thing about Tuvok's rank, where he has the pips of a lieutenant commander in the in the beginning of season one, even though he's later retconned to a lieutenant. In this episode, he still has the lieutenant commander pips, but he is referred to as lieutenant. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I caught that. So they're starting the process of making him a lieutenant. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I'm just. That was actually the last note I have, but uh, do you have any more interesting things? Oh, I have a handful. Okay. Uh, Fire away. Well, I mean, so, first of all, she, because obviously Tom Paris can't be at the helm, Janeway asks uh, Chakotay to do maneuver beta 140, and I'm just wondering, are there 139 more beta maneuvers before this one? And how many alpha maneuvers are there? Goodness sakes, that's what I'm saying, right? And that's around the same time that Chakotay is telling Janeway that I have this Maki trick, and she tells him... That's one trick you won't be able to use again when we get back. I have more. Why not? Does she think that they're getting back to the... Does she really think that they're getting back to the Alpha Quadrant anytime soon? And B, does she think that when they get back to the Alpha Quadrant, that because it would have to be soon, that Jakote would then rejoin the Maquis and she's just like made peace with that? That it's like, well, I guess he's going to go back to the Maquis when we're done with this little temporary alliance. If they were transported back to the Alpha Quadrant right now, assuming that there's some sort of pardon and they're not the Maquis are not just immediately sent to a penal colony, I feel like Chakotay would go back to the Maquis. Yes, but you, I, I it, it feels like a like a writing failure because like that's the only scenario under which that that sentence makes sense. There, there's mm. a. Like, there, there's no way that Janeway like goes through every single day thinking, and five seconds from now, we're going to be magically teleported back to the Alpha Quadrant. No, but I bet Harry Kim does. Of course he does. Because he's got a girl back home. <laughs> She's going to wait for him, even though she doesn't know he's alive. Right. So something else I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You do your thing, because I've been talking for a minute. Okay. 
So there is something I wanted to bring up here. This is something that you commonly call out. Uh, you noticed the role of three when the doctor was having his name conversation with Kess. You fiend. Are you taking one of my call-outs? I'm sorry. <laughs> this is early in my notes. I had left it alone because I was going to save it for later, but fine. <laughs> well, why was it Go early ahead. in your notes? <laughs> All right. Fine. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize I was <laughs> stepping on your toes there. Uh, but... Yeah, so that was actually a pretty interesting, conversa- a nice conversation. The doctor's talking to Cass about choosing a name, and he yes. brings out the three names, Dr. Galen, Dr. Salk, and Dr. Spock. Yes, and I I, I hit on this. Did, did Spock, like, Spock, Spock, did he get, like, an honorary degree, like an honorary doctorate from, like, no. the University of, uh, the, what is it, like, the, the whatever, Planitia shipyards? Utopia Planet. Why would they be giving out? Yeah, yeah. Did he get like an honorary doctorate from Utopia Planitia? For University all we know, Spock may have twelve doctorates, but the 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 Doctor Spock twelve he's... only twelve. Come on, yeah. man, that's lazy. The Doctor Spock that the Doctor was referring to in this case was most likely Doctor Benjamin Spock. Doctor Benjamin Spock, the twentieth yeah. century pediatrician. Saying it with pediatrician, that makes that name really, really familiar to me. He wrote a bunch of books. Yeah, I didn't read any of them, but like the well, name sure. was in the zeitgeist growing up. No, it's Dr. Galen is the one that uh, we don't know. Okay, okay. Because obviously Dr. Sock is Jonas Sock. <laughs> yes, obviously. Okay, okay. Yeah, but... Yes, I remember, yeah, like, the books, like, the, yeah, the Dr. Spock books about child-rearing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've never read them either, having never reared a child, but... Yeah, and you know, even if I had reared a child, it wouldn't have been in the 80s. Can we talk about how rearing a child sounds creepy? I think it has to do with, like, does does one rear anything else? Does one, like, rear horses? I feel like you... Surely you must, but no, I think child-rearing is the only time I ever hear this. I bet one rears, like, hogs or something. I don't know. Did you know that pig skin can be used as, like, a surgical replacement for human skin? I did know that. Yeah, yeah. It's because pigs are incredibly close to humans genetically and physically. Truth. But not in... uh, Nothing? Nothing? I didn't say anything? I, I didn't say taste. <laughs> I mean, actually, from what I've heard, they are similar to humans in taste. I mean, I don't speak from personal experience. <laughs> oh, this is the episode where we first learned Tuvok is married. Yes, for 63 years? 67. Thank you. I wonder if it's actually 66.6 repeating and he rounded it up. He wouldn't have. That's true, Vulcans don't round. Right, he would have said, like, if it's 66 and two-thirds repeating, he would have said, like, six years and four months. Wait, uh, yeah. how do months work on Vulcan? How do years work on Vulcan? How do Vulcans work on Vulcan? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my so so my final two notes, and I think that you're going to enjoy both of these. All right, I like notes okay. that I enjoy. That's right. So first of all, why did the memory zoom in? I don't know, but that's a very right. good question. Yeah, at a certain point when 
uh, you know, he's watching. This is, I think, this is like just after uh, not Tom Paris uh, says, "I'd better be on my way." It like zooms in. Maybe, and that's like the the doctor got closer. The doctor, whatever no, his it, name is, because then it zooms. It's like Ren, because then it like zooms back out. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. And second of all, Janeway tells the Nemurians that the shuttlecraft has 40 tons of explosive on board. What? That must be some super dense explosives. No. Yeah. But how the heck can that shuttlecraft carry 40 tons? It has a lot of power. It just seems excessive. It's not... (laughs) It's not a hot rod of the Delta Quadrant. Mm. Oh, I do have one other note on this episode, by the way. Bring it. This is the only episode in which a character is seen smoking. Hmm. Okay. That is actually a little surprising, considering all the various uh, holodeck episodes we see throughout the season, especially yeah. uh, uh, Tom's... Um... I feel like there were people smoking in Shea Sandrine. It may be that this is the only episode in which a, a regular character of the show is smoking. But a regular character of the show isn't smoking in this episode. That's true. But I feel Tom like there was doesn't pick smoke up the, in whatever. the atmosphere in, in uh, the French bistro thing. Not bistro. Uh, Maybe... Maybe the smoke was a false memory implanted uh, by yourself. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, and that is uh, Gene Roddenberry was vehemently anti-smoking. Well, history uh, history bore that out. Yeah. So, obviously, Gene Roddenberry himself had nothing to do with Voyager. It being conceived right. and created after he passed away but obviously gene roddenberry being the father of star trek his a lot of his views were adhered to Mm -hmm. and on voyager uh jerry taylor who was one of the executive producers in the beginning was also very much anti-smoking cool that makes sense yeah and in the 90s that was sort of like some people were but there were plenty of people who weren't and you you could still smoke in a lot of places in the 90s I don't remember the 90s all that well. Well, I know there were st- you could still smoke in restaurants in the 90s because they had the smoking sure. and non-smoking sections. Uh, yeah, but there's a lot of things if you were going to pantomime to someone to tell them to like, let let's say that you needed to pantomime to someone that they needed to in a vehicle take the window from the up closed position down to the open position well i would still do the i would roll you would down pantomime the, the crank but right that, that wouldn't work anymore today who has cranks? right that's my point and, and like <sighs> simply saying in the 90s they were still smoking and non-smoking signs is not like a good enough like way of making of like making your case that and therefore the public smoking versus not public smoking debate was still ongoing because social vestiges are super weird. Okay, 
having lived through the 90s, I remember there was a lot... You I can... still dial a telephone. Huh. Don't touch that dial on the TV. <laughs> Tune in to our next episode of yes, Field of Flyer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Truth be told, I don't have much else to talk about the, the, about this episode because it's... It is. It's super tropey. It's... Every sci-fi show needs to have one of these episodes. For for what it's worth, this episode was better when it was on TNG and called A Matter of Perspective. <laughs> okay, good to know. Was that also in the first season? No, it was uh, okay. later, which is probably why so it was I, better. <laughs> I, yeah, so I have to wonder if like the wrongfully accused episode is just always kind of weak in the first season, if they decide to pull it out then... Mm, that's probably fair. Yeah, I would say of the episodes of season one that we have watched so far, this is definitely my least favorite. But what of the ones that we will have watched so far? Including the ones we will have watched that we have already maybe future watched? I that we will watch but will have discussed? Yes. <laughs> yes. But I think... I seem to recall that there are a couple less than stellar ones later this season. Oh no, I believe you. <laughs> Although that said, we don't have that many yet. We're we are now halfway through. Oh yeah, definitely. Because it yeah, because the, the first episode eight. Yes, because so, yeah. the first season is yeah, it's only what sixteen, seventeen episodes. Sixteen, sixteen. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is it. This is halfway. Thanks for listening to this episode of Delta Flyer. Uh, keep uh, tuning in for, <laughs> for the remainder of the season. Next week, we are going to be watching Emanations. Oh, 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 oh. Which, as I seem to recall, uh, off the top of my head, I believe, if, I can, if I'm recalling what Emanations is, we will be increasing a particular counter that we've been keeping track of. Excellent. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are Delta Flyer Pod. Okay. Uh, you can also find us on the uh, find our website if you just want to see all of the episodes there. Uh, it's uh, deltaflyerpod.com. You can also reach us uh, at our email, deltaflyerpod at gmail.com if 281 characters or more is what you need to share your thoughts. You can also find us on Facebook at Delta Flyer Podcast. And finally, you can find me on Twitter at Gamicus if you just want to, I don't know, just see a bunch of retweets and things. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus if you mostly just want to see me talk about Star Trek nonstop. Why on earth would anyone listening to this podcast want to see you talk, talk about Star Trek nonstop? I don't know, but somehow over 300 people do, and it's amazing. Thanks again for listening. That was our show. Uh, I've written down Tuvok didn't say the words, but I don't know why I have that <laughs> written down. <laughs> I just want to know what the words are. <laughs> I don't know, but he didn't say them. Man, this is gonna. If any listener has any idea what Stuart's notes mean, please let us know. 